God bless you. Let's, I have two passages of Scripture today. In light of the times and the circumstances that we are living in currently, I am stirred to preach this morning. And I have two passages that first one being in Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. And then we would direct our attention to 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. Amen. Genesis 49, 14 and 15. Issachar, and if you'll allow me to substitute a word with a grin, but Issachar is a strong donkey. Couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant unto tri- tribute. First Chronicles twelve thirty two. And the children of Issachar which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Would you put your Bibles down and put your hands together? Let's love the Lord before we dive into the Word of God here. God bless you, and you may be seated. Thank you for being here. Each generation since the late 1800s have been called and known by different names. 1883 to 1900 was called the Lost Generation. I will skip one generation and come back to it in just a moment. So I will jump from 1900 to 1925. 1925 to 1945 is called the silent generation. 1946 to 1964, the baby boomers. 1965 to 1980, Generation X or baby busters. 1981 to 1996, Generation Y, the millennials. 1997 to 2012, Generation Z, or IGN. 2013 to 2025, 2025, Generation Alpha. In 1998, Tom Brokaw wrote a book called The Greatest Generation. It characterized the life and times of people that generally... And now you know why I skipped that particular generation in the list I shared with you. But it described the people that generally were born from about 1901 to 1927. I would say to you that Brother Brown is in the greatest generation. Tom Brokaw's book, 
chronicles stories of a generation that gave new meaning to courage, sacrifice, and honor. From military heroes to community leaders to ordinary citizens, he profiles men and women who served their country with valor, then came home and transformed it. Their lives had been shaped by the hardships of the Great Depression. They had risen above their difficulties and met the challenge of defeating the very malignant forces of fascism that threatened the world. As the song says, time is filled with swift transition. Time is filled with swift transition. Naught of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things. So from generation to generation, this is what you got to do. Hold to God's unchanging hand. But I do know that you would agree that time is filled with swift transition. So many changes from generation to generation. The only way that I could define or describe a generational change would be like this. My grandfather had a farm. My daddy had a garden. And all I have is a can opener. In our text that we read, we see another group of people that were fit for their time. The men of Issachar gathered, as other tribes do, to make David king, and they face a lot of enemies, including those who still support the family of Saul and the Philistines who are looking to try to exploit a divided Israel in a weakened condition. That is why even then and now, it is very important to stay united. I did not say you have to always agree with everybody in the church on everything because you will not, including your own spouse. But the, the enemies of God, Brother Robbins, always tried to exploit the divided or disunity of Israel. And so here they are, they gathered there as, again, they're about to make David king, and all the enemies knows that Israel is in a moment of transition. And, and so and that's where we read about the tribe of Issachar. I want to know more about this tribe. Just who are they? Issachar was the fifth of the six sons of Jacob and Leah, not the beloved Rachel. Jacob's ninth son. They trace their roots to their father, Jacob. In Jacob's blessing in Genesis 49 of Issachar, I read it to you in your hearing. He says to his son then and to the tribe of Issachar that they are a strong donkey couching down between two burdens. It has been difficult for me to reconcile Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15, 
with 1 Chronicles 12 and 32 because in Genesis 49, when the elder Jacob is blessing his son and it is called the blessing of the father, he is saying to Issachar, you've got a burden. And so he says burdens instead of blessings. It doesn't seem to be a lovely prophecy. But in truth, it actually was a high compliment that was given. Their inheritance after conquering the promised land primarily included the area around Esdrilion, known as the Jezreel Valley. It was an incredible fertile plain and a place of great beauty. I have been there, and it is beautiful to look over as you stand on Mount Carmel overlooking that great valley, perhaps the most fought-over piece of ground in their day and will someday be part of the great battle of Armageddon. The men of Issachar were farmers. They knew how to read seasons. They knew how to read the skies. They knew and understood soil. They probably, I can't prove this, but they probably wrote the first almanac. They knew when to plant, they knew when to wait, and they knew when to harvest. But because their land was desired and was on so many paths of travel, not only were they farmers, they were also soldiers because they found themselves having to defend their land over and over and over again. I will stop right now and insert this. Truth is worth defending. So if you'll let me jump a little ahead, as apostolic people of God, full of His Spirit, you need to have an implement that you can farm with one hand, but you need to have a tool of war in the other. You need to be a farmer. You need to know when to plant, when to sow, when to harvest, but you all need to know when to stand to buy the truth and sell it not. So sometimes they enjoyed freedom. Other times they served under tribute. As a result of their experiences of dealing with so many leaders and so many nations, they became expert diplomats. They understood political times. They understood public affairs. They understood the meaning of current events. And because of their geographical location, they did not know who was marching through next on this commercial and military highway that was the main intersection of the world. I have come to the conclusion that the thing that produced this transition is the burden that Issachar had to bear, the weight, the pressure and the responsibility that Issachar was under produced awareness and understanding. It created a keen awareness of the times they were living in. So if we were in the New Testament, we would say where Paul teaches us to walk circumspectfully, to pay attention, to observe, to understand where we are. 
It was the constant weight of responsibility presented Issachar with a decision. They could either allow the burden to crush them or it could produce a desire to learn from it. This is an example of when a burden is a blessing. Can I preach to somebody here today the weight and the responsibility that you are under? Yes, sometimes seems crushing, but you need to understand there's a blessing in the burden. Because that is what causes you to pray. That is what causes you to be sensitive. That is what causes, if my friend, untried faith is a worthless faith. And so why don't you try your faith out? Instead of seeking relief and rest from the crushing weight, you remember Paul even tried that one time. said, God, this is just more than I could bear. The Lord said, I'm not going to relieve you of it. But my grace. So instead of seeking relief or, or rest from the crushing weight of the burden and the responsibility, it produced a determination. There's all kind of there's all kind of songs going through my mind this morning. I've just got through singing Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. I am determined to hold out to the end. Jesus is with me. On him I can depend. For I know I have salvation. I feel it in my soul. Hi, I'm going to have a little church here this morning. So this weight, this responsibility produced a determination to work hard and to grow in understanding and wisdom. This is a superficial illustration, but I baptized a man, he part of our church until he died. He owned a car auction and a car lot, and it did very well for himself financially. So I went with him to many times. I've been with him to the Tupelo car auction. I've been to Memphis car auction. I've been with him. And I've watched him even make money sitting in a chair. He was a real big man. I always caught him the, the, uh, the round man with a square deal. He was a huge man. And, and uh, he, he many times wouldn't even get out of his chair. He'd sit at an auction. He'd bid on a car. And then somebody come over to him 30 minutes later and say, I'd like to have that car you bought. And he would just jack the price up because everybody knew what he paid for. He'd sit there in his chair and make money and not even get out of his chair and never even touch the car. He just said, go in there and tell them that, I, that, that you, can, you can have it and just give me $500 and you can, you can take the car home with you. I said, man. I said, Mr. Gene, how do you know how much to be and how do you know what to do? He said, son, it don't take you about two or three times losing your pants or losing your money. He said, it don't take about three or four times of losing some money. You learn right quick like. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Those burdens and those those things that you go through in the trials of life, those are the things that sharpens you. David said, once I was young, but now I'm old. That's experience. Amen. So it was a burden. So they, they said, we're, go, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not looking for rest. There's too much work to be done and too little time to rest in the shade. The one thing they knew, whatever the wave of culture that blew through their land, 
because you study their history. They knew their God never changed. And they knew the principle of his word was theirs to hold on to regardless of their circumstances. They were people of God who understood the never-changing principles of God. And that's the Bible said the men of Issachar were men of understanding because they lived in a culture that they may be overtaken by an enemy tomorrow. They may be under tribute today. They may be free tomorrow. They, and, and their circumstances could reverse, but they understood and they stood on the principles that God does not change. Though they were fewer in number than all the others gathered at Hebron, they were the most needed tribe in that place. And the Bible said that all the brethren were at their commandment. I've mentioned various generations in my opening remarks, but I am convinced now more than ever, you are the most needed generation. And that's what I want to spend the next few minutes speaking to you about, preaching from my heart, the most needed generation. I'm so thankful that all of you are here, all the way from the, young, the teenager class stayed in here. So if you're 12 or to 99, I'm glad you're here today. But, and, and thank you for everything you've done. But I'm standing, in, I'm standing right here and looking in front of me. Now, we all need it in the kingdom of God. But I'm looking at the most needed generation. We've had the greatest generation, the silent generation, Generation X and Y. But to live right here in the end zone of history, this is the most needed generation of our time. We stand in one of the most critical moments in history. I've often thought how cool it would be to have been in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up with the 11 and said, repent and be baptized. I've often wondered how cool it would be to be at Stone's Folly in, 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 in uh, Kansas uh, when the Holy Ghost was poured out or Azusa Street in Los Angeles. But I thought about that the other day and God smote my heart. He said, I have trusted you and this generation to be in the closing time hey, where this dispensation is almost over. You are the most needed generation. God needed and used the apostle Peter and the disciples then. God used people in Azusa Street and Stone's Folly. But right now, he's looking for an apostolic church that will stand up and say, I know I'm needed, and I'm not going to fall under the crushing weight of responsibility because I live in the most needed generation. Because of who you are and where you are in time. I believe you have it in you to rise up and let this generation know what they ought to do. You may not be the largest church. Somebody said, it is true, that the, it is true the scripture said we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I got to thinking about it. I'm, I'm about to be a mega temple. Okay. Y'all get that when y'all go, go to eat. <laughs> you may not be the largest church. I'm sure in Lee County or somewhere between here in Memphis, there's a church that's got two or three, four, five thousand people in it. 
You may not be the largest church. And look up here. You may not have the largest youth group. For certain, we are not the most favored or popular group in the world because there are all kinds of spirits and all kinds of enemies marching across our land just like they did in Issachar's day. All kinds of people were coming in and out. But I've come to stand here today, my friend, and confirm and affirm and to preach to all of us, don't let the culture change us. Don't let the culture change us. We change culture. Culture don't change us. I'm not interested in blending in with the world. I'm interested in winning the world. I'm interested in making an influence. I'm interested in making an implant. But I am not going to let their culture change me. We change culture. We need to know what we ought to do and be a world changer. Don't be embarrassed. Say it out loud. I can make a difference. I can make a difference. Well, you may say, Brother Tipton, I'm just one person. That's not much I can do. David single-handedly fell Goliath. Daniel, with personal resolve, influenced a world-rule king and kingdom. Three Hebrew teenagers changed the very course of their culture. So don't sit here and let the devil pop you with a bunch of excuses that you can't do anything because you're too young or you don't have enough money or you don't have the right last name. God called you for such a time as this. It's time to stand up and let the world know what they ought to do. Glory. I'm feeling the whole Holy Ghost. My, my, my wife, she kind of encouraged me all the time. She said, honey, you're always doing this. I said, honey, I can't help it. When I actually feel the anointing, my nose starts tingling. Woo! Hallelujah. And right now my nose is tingling. Because I feel a surge of the Holy Ghost. I believe that we ought to realize what time it is. We need to realize that we are the ones that tells my friend, the world what they ought to do. We need to live right, act right, talk right, spit white. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that the world desperately needs you. The world needs you to step forward in the confidence of your calling of Almighty God to influence and impact the culture for His namesake. Sure, I catch a little flack sometimes because I'm involved in politics. I don't like dirty politics, but politics is just the art of influence. It is the art of negotiating. And I tell everybody I'm not interested in the donkey. I'm not interested in the, in the, in the elephant. I'm interested in the lamb. And the, I don't stand on the Republican platform. I don't stand on the Democrat platform. I stand on the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe the church needs to rise up and say, we are not going to let culture change us. We are going to change culture. Ooh. 
the people of Issachar understood the times, how best to live in the light of what they knew. They engaged diplomatically and militarily for years with surrounding, the surrounding world, and they formed and defended their land. They formed and defended their land. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is true God feeds the little birds, but he don't throw the worms in their nest. <laughs> Hallelujah. These, these, these men of understanding, and even the Bible teaches us that when you, in all you're getting, get understanding, get wisdom. To be holiness, to be apostolic, don't mean you stop thinking. In fact, the scripture said, think, think on these things. Think. Jesus wants us to think. And don't ever forget, God, God and common sense are not very far apart. So they understood events, movements, ideology. They understood the nature of the world. And the empty promises that it made. It is believed that the wisest men of the Sanhedrin came from Issachar. I don't care how enlightened our culture and this generation thinks themselves. Lord, I hope this is okay. Listen, the media will lie to you. Not only will they lie, they are lying to you. Amen. The spirit of Antichrist has been unleashed. Amen. They are demonic spirits. Now, hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But there are demonic spirits that are unleashed in this world. I know they've always been demons. I know there's always been this, honey. But in the last days, uh, my friend, hey, the devil has come down with great wrath, knowing he has but a short time, and it's time for the apostolic church to click their heels together and say, I'm reporting for duty to the commander of chief. But they're enlightened. I guess if CNN or Fox News or somebody says it, it's true. Pardon my vernacular. No, it ain't. There's only one thing that'll last. There's only one thing's true. There's only one thing, my friend. His word is true from the beginning. It will endure through every generation. Another old song just come to my mind. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Help me out. I heard that so many years I can't remember. Standing on the promises of God. You can stand on this. I'm not standing on what an enlightened culture tells me. Amen. me loose I love people I love people I love people of all kinds from all religions from all persuasions I don't hate people 
But I don't care how enlightened our culture of this generation thinks they are. The greatest blessing you and I have is that mercy and truth of God has endured to every generation, and that includes your generation. And, and that mercy and truth must be our guiding force. You need to know what needs to be done. See, the men of Issachar, the men of Issachar not only understood their times, they also knew what Israel should do. And even though they were smallest in number, those 200, every other tribe looked to them. And the Bible said that everybody else was under the commandment of those special men that understood where they were. And this suggests two things. The world and what it possesses never has, nor is today, our hope. Issachar lived on some of the most beautiful ground in all Israel. Fertile, productive. They were great farmers and built houses and farms. But they understood that what was theirs today could be possessed overnight by an invading force. And because of that, they realized that their security and their hope was not in what they possessed, but in who they knew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. I just said you could talk in Latin and, and snore in Greek and, and dream in Hebrew and still not know who Jesus is. Let me, let me say something to you. It's important that you know him. Oh, that I might know him. Is it all right? Can I preach a few more minutes? <laughs> See, their security was not in this world. They realized their security and hope was not in what they possessed, but in who they knew. It does matter in who you know. You see, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. All else is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And as long as you live, and as long as you can inhale and exhale, never forget, he is our hope. Without him, I am nothing. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Without him, I don't know where to go. Without him, I don't want to know. Hallelujah. Without him, I can't live. He's my hope. And they understood that you find what God is doing. And you join him. There was another one of Jacob's son that Jacob told him, he said, you're as unstable as water. God, help me preach. I'll get back to my notes after a while. Amen. Right now, as an individual and as a church, there needs to be concrete stability in who we are and what we stand for. Stability. Even Jesus said, when you come to see John the Baptist, what did you think you come to see? A reed blowing in the wind? And there are some people, if the wind's blowing here, if the wind's blowing here, Jesus said, that's not John the Baptist. It don't matter which way the wind's blowing. When you've done all you can to stand... 
Say it. <laughs> so you got to stand and withstand. You got to stand and withstand. Lord, help me. Am I preaching to you? They found themselves in Hebron because David was coming to power. And it was of God. And if God was going in the direction of David, Issachar understood that's the flow you want to get in. Church, hear me. We, we need to be seeking feeling after God. You heard me at camp meeting how I described when I was a little boy. We didn't have a lot of receptacles in our house. We didn't have no light switches. I've come home from church many a night on a Sunday night doing this and stumped my toe on the footboard. But I knew if I could get my hand on that string that's tied in the middle of the room that I don't have to walk in darkness. And the scripture says, the scripture says, feel after God. <laughs> if happily you might find him, though he be not far from any one of us. So we need to know where the switch is. We need to know which way the flow is going. I just don't want to go in any direction. Lord, have mercy. If I'd stick with my notes, I'd be through by now. But you want to be where God is working. See, the world still makes empty promises and does not have the answers. Can I throw in one more story that just come to my mind? I don't know what time y'all supposed to be over, but way back, many years ago when I pastored in Grenada, where my son pastors now, I had struggled all week long. I'm a person that does not like to procrastinate. <laughs> I, I want to be on time or early, I, or I, and if I got a job to do, I don't want to put it off. I don't like procrastination. I guess unless it's, I'll wait the last minute to pay my truck payment or my car payment. <laughs> Amen. But I was, every Sunday morning in Grenada, our church there is located on Highway 8. And on Saturday night, those people leaving the lake and the bar joints in the dark would just chunk out their beer cans right in front of our church. So for many years, it was a practice of mine to get there between 7.30 and 8 and, and go with a trash bag and pick up all the beer cans and the debris and the trash. And But I had struggled all week for a message to preach, and I just come up blank. I mean, there's a lot of scripture in there. There's a lot of stories I know, but I just couldn't come up with something I felt like resonated. And, and, and God, I, 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 I've never ever waited to 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, and we got church at 10 o'clock not knowing what I'm going to preach. Where are you? And as I'm walking down this ditch, I walked up as, here's a, a beer can. And I picked it up, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, stand still. Now, don't think for a moment I tasted of it. But I did smell of it. And there's about that much in the bottom of it. 
and my imagination went crazy because I said, you know, if that guy really loves this alcohol, he'd have, he'd have finished it all the way like Folgers. He'd have went to the last drop. <laughs> but what happened, more than likely, the headlights behind him, he probably figured it was a sheriff's car. He never knew. So he don't need to be caught with an open container. So it doesn't matter if it's a church. Just pitch out the contents and throw it out and let, let it be in the, in the ditch. But as I stood there, the Lord said, be still and let me talk to you. So basically, I'll, I won't preach that sermon here. I'll give you the condensed version. Is He took me to Ruth and Boaz and the kinsman redeemer. But here's what happens. Please listen to me on people. Here's what happens. I stood there and poured the contents out. I'm holding there the pastor of a church. People are going by, and the pastor is straddling the ditch with a beer can in his hand. And the Lord says, this is exactly what the enemy of your soul, this is exactly what the devil does. When he gets through with you, he will toss you out into a ditch because you're no longer worth anything to him and he will leave you empty and discarded. And I begin to feel a little word coming on. So I wouldn't advise nobody to do this, but I took that beer can to church. When I got ready to preach, I set it on the platform, on the pulpit. I introduced my scripture. I began to preach. We had an elderly black gentleman in our church that he was retired, wonderful man of God, but he picked up aluminum cans. He did that to supplement his income. And I knew that I was going to give that beer can to him at the church. But what Brother Cooley would do was he would take a pickup truck load of aluminum cans down to the Grenada Recycling Center. And I said, let me tell you what happens. This was a discarded, empty beer can thrown in a ditch. But who knows, by this time next year, it could be the whole hood ornament on a Mercedes Benz. It might even wind up being a microphone stand in an apostolic church because if you let God, when he, when he picks you up, he will recycle you. He will redeem you. What time did you get out? My watch just said it seems you have fallen. Well, I have times, but he picked me up. It says you have appeared to have fallen. You want to be where God is working. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Brothers and sisters, we must anchor our lives to the never-changing Word of God whose truth endures from every generation because whatever our culture loves today, it will be different tomorrow. And oh, does our world need somebody to step up, stand out, stand up, and say, the answer is in not flowing with the culture. The answer may very well be to stand upon opposition to the culture. Even if you must stand alone, stand on the Word of God. Understand this church is still the pillar and the ground of truth. And it is still where God is doing his work. God purchased, God loved, God died, God rose again and still loves the local church. 
I'm not here to castigate radio preachers or television preachers. That's, that's your business. My business is I want to be a part of a local church, and I want to have a pastor because that's where God is in the flow. The church is his vehicle. The church is the engine he uses to accomplish his will in the world. You love your church? God works through the church. And that's why you and I must be salt and light in the community. I'm almost through. I didn't know it was going to turn in this long. But the people in Issachar were different by design. They were different on purpose. Their witness and their testimony and their influence were powerful. Their lives provided the example of living wisely, choosing correctly, trying to counter the corrosive influence of culture on the lives of people that were about them. Amen. So even if you have to stand alone, don't let the culture change you. You see, our world is screaming for some believers who will stand in the community and just be salt and light, salt and light, loving those who are often unlovely and meeting the needs of those who are often hurting to be God's people on purpose. If ever the world needs a generation of confident, courageous, committed believers, it is absolutely today, and you are it. You are it. I'm about to close. They say strong men create good times. And good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And thus our time. However, we will not be defined by the times in which we live. We will tackle the tasks before us because what matters is not the kind of times we find ourselves living in but the kind of lives we live and the time we have. And I'm already on the backside of the mountain, and I've made up my mind it's not time to play church. How many of you as little kids, we used to, my cousins and us, go to the back bedroom, my mom and dad and my aunts and uncles would be drinking coffee and eating cake, and, and we'd go in the back and, and play church. How, how many of you ever played church? Some of y'all still playing church. I, I got you on that one. Hello. The world needs us right now. And we're going to tackle the times. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to find a place to land. You know, they, they may track us, spam us. Or scan our fingerprints and faces. They can peruse our purchases and eavesdrops on our conversations. But no amount of surveillance will reveal to them who we really are. I'm a blood-bought, one God, tongue-talking, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled believer, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's my identity. That's who I am. And God put me in the most needed generation. Stand to your feet. Ha ha. Woo. I know it's Sunday morning, but God wants to reveal himself in a way. I don't know what you know I'm going to do on Sunday morning, but I feel a leash, an unleashing of the Spirit of God. And I'm speaking to someone as an emissary of God. 
God has been working in you. Hello, wave at me if you're listening to me. God has been working in you. I'm asking you to be the tribe who endured hardness as a good soldier. We are in it to win it. We are in it to win it. We are farmers and we're soldiers. Hallelujah. I said we are farmers and we are soldiers. We're going to sow, we're going to reap, and we're going to defend what God has given us. You are the most needed generation. And again, another old song. Y'all just have to forgive me. I can't, I probably can't remember. Mm -hmm. Oh, you must fight, be brave against all evil. Never run, nor even lag behind. If you're going to win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. Oh, you must fight. Be brave. Come on, church. If you're going to win for God and the right, just keep on the I don't know what y'all are going to pick out, but the Holy Ghost is here. If you need a miracle, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need direction, the altars are open. You just got to roll up your sleep and fight, fight, fight.